Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the MLEPC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. Great. How many, just out of curiosity, how many people were here for the, the uh, family service Christmas Eve? Okay, you remember the, we had a participatory uh, scripture reading, and uh, people were, the audience was, was uh, assigned roles. Some people were shepherds, and the children got to, be, we had ushers that, that walked to the back, and, and they carried baskets filled with ears, lamb's ears or donkey ears. And uh, for some reason, when, when Leanne Ostergaard got to, to us, where Kim and I were sitting toward the back, uh, she still had some, some animal ears left. And I, I, she, she knows I'm a child at heart, so she, you know, I ended up with, a, with donkey's ears. I know, typecasting, right? <laughs> it's such a good prop. I, I was tempted to, to uh, craft a message around the, the excellent prop that had been given to me, but, but the... The message that really was on my heart, I think, is much more appropriate for where we are right now. And so I'm going to read from the scripture passage that God put on my heart. We're going to look at together 2 Kings chapter 6. I'll give a little bit of history, a little bit of background so we understand where the text is coming from. This was a time of great uncertainty in the history of the kingdom of Israel. Israel had split into two, two different kingdoms, the kingdom of Israel in the north and the kingdom of Judah in the south. The uh, kingdom of, of uh, Israel in the north mostly was not very faithful to Yahweh, mostly was not very faithful to God. They were choosing their own path, and they were pretty weak. At that point in history, the neighborhood billy, uh, bully was the kingdom of Aram. The Arameans lived in the territory we now would call Syria, up in northeast of the kingdom of Israel. And the kingdom of Aram realized the weakness of Israel, and the king began sending armed forays to probe the defenses of Israel looking for a major attack. He would send troops to this pass. He would send troops down that road. He would try to find where was a good place to launch a Pearl Harbor kind of attack on the kingdom of Israel. Israel, as I said, was very, very weak at this point. Their army was weak. Spiritually, they were weak. They did not have a particularly strong king. And the only thing they had going for them was the fact that God had sent a man after his own heart, had sent a prophet, Elisha. And Elisha did all that he could to protect God's people remaining in Israel. We'll pick up with verse 8 in 2 Kings chapter 6. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what will we do? The servant asked. 
Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill men you have captured with your own sword or bow? Sit food and water before them so that they may eat and drink, and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them, and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. If you're like me, you probably, uh, if, you, if you've ever read this passage, you've, you've discovered it on your own. I've never heard a teaching, I've never heard a sermon on this passage. I find it kind of quirky, but really insightful. You, uh, you see what happens here at, at, in their point of weakness. The Israelites didn't know what, what lay ahead. They knew that they were very, very vulnerable, and they knew that the king of Aram meant ill for them, and that they, they could be in trouble really fast. And God was providing, he was giving sight, and he was giving insight to the prophet, so he knew what was coming and could prepare Israel to defend itself. The, the king, at first, the king of Aram figured out, uh, at first, probably one of my, one of my officers, somebody from my, my strategic staff, is sending word to the king of Israel. So one of us is a traitor. So he wanted to find out who the traitor was, and they said, nah, it's not us. There's a prophet, Elisha. He's the problem. Whatever you even, he knows everything that's going on. If you whisper a word in your bedroom, he tells the king of Israel what you just said. And so the king says, new plan. I'm going to go send a uh, special forces division to find Elisha. It turns out they, they searched and they found he was in Dothan. Dothan is about 13 miles north of, of Samaria. Samaria was the capital of the north. When the, when the, the northern tribes broke away from Judah, uh, Ju uh, Jerusalem was the capital of Judah. Samaria was the capital of the north. And so that's where the king was. Dothan is about 13 miles north. It's on a plain surrounded by some mountains. I've been there. Uh, it was not a large city. It didn't have fortifications. It didn't have walls around it. And that's where, where the prophet Elisha was. And so these, the report came back to the king of Aram. He's in Dothan. So he sends special forces team to go and apprehend him. They're either going to kidnap him or they're going to kill him on the spot. We're not sure which. They discovered he was there. They surrounded the city. The, uh, the prophet's servant, Gehazi was his name. We read in other passages. He's not named in, this, in, in these verses. But his name was Gehazi. He wakes up first thing in the morning, looks out the window. Holy mackerel, we're surrounded. We don't have a chance. There's nowhere we can escape to. And uh, he's absolutely freaked out about it. And Elisha doesn't seem too concerned. And so uh, he's wondering, what's, what's going on here? And Elisha says, don't worry. Those who are on our side are greater than those who are on their side. And Gehazi's, yeah, in what universe? You've got to be kidding me. And uh, I, Elisha answers, I imagine, with a bit of an eye roll. Like, okay. Now, Lord, open up his eyes. And Gehazi looks again, and he sees not just the enemy that's surrounding them, but he sees, we're told, horses on the hillsides and chariots of fire. 
Now, it's not explicit in the passage just what it is he's seeing, but it's pretty clear, I think, that he's seeing the host of the army of angels that are sent there to protect Elisha and God's people. Elisha can see them, and when Elisha prays and asks, you know, open up my servant's eyes, then Gehazi can see them. He knows that they're safe. He knows that they're secure. And then by a ruse, Elisha goes out and speaks to the, the enemy army and takes them into Samaria. It's only 13 miles away, the capital city, inside the walls. And then they can see again. They can see, oh, we're surrounded by the enemy, and they have to surrender. And that's the end of the problem. But I, I'm really kind of intrigued by this passage of the, the blindness and the, the ability to see, the extraordinary ability to see that Elisha has. He can see things that his servant cannot see. We stand on the precipice of a new year. And as we look at the, at the new year, we have a lot of uncertainty. There are a lot of things that we don't know. I'd like for us this morning to think about this, this idea of seeing things that, that are up ahead, that, that are right now invisible to us. Years ago, when I was in high school, my, my part-time job was uh, I worked in, in two different shoe stores, and I would help people uh, uh, find, uh, you know, find shoes that, that, that fit them, that work well. There, I remember one customer in particular, she, she tried on some shoes and says, I'll take these, that's fine. I took them up in the box, up to the counter to write them up. She said, oh, and get me a, a package of, uh, of dark gray knee-high nylons also. Okay. I picked them off the, off the rack, picked up a pack, package, and started writing them up. She came up to the counter, and she picked up the package of knee-highs, and she says, these are green. She says, what are you, colorblind? And I said, as a matter of fact, yes, I am. <laughs> you know? And uh, she said, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, said, I, I should explain. I'm, I'm partially colorblind. I actually per can perceive most colors really quite well. Kim and I just went to the uh, Van Gogh exhibit on the north side and enjoyed that. I can see most colors. I can see blues. I can see reds just fine and yellows. I have a little trouble with certain, uh, certain parts of the color spectrum. Uh, some greens and some browns I don't see very well. They look gray to me. I don't know. So I, looked, I just looked at the package. And I, they looked gray, and I, I snatched them and started writing them up. And they, if I had actually read the package, I would have known that they were green. But you know, most of the time, I'll go weeks at a time and, uh, and, and not even think about my partial color blindness at all. It's not a big deal. As disabilities go, it's minuscule, right? But every so often, I'm reminded, oh, yeah, I can't see that. I'm, I'm probably not seeing everything that everybody else is seeing. Uh, it pops up once in a while. We, we, all, we all have our blind spots, right? For part of one of my blind spots is my color, parts of my color perception. I have some other blind spots too. When, when, when Bethany, our daughter, was growing up, and I realized, you know, I grew up in a family of boys, and I, every so often I would go to Kim and I'd say, like, how can I be a good dad to our daughter at age eight? What does she need from a dad? You know, I just, I knew that I had a color, you know, I, ha I had a blind spot there, and I needed some help. Help me to see what I need to see so I can do what I need to do. Uh, I, I had a blind spot. Uh, Kim has, uh, has a newer car. I, I have a 10-year-old car that I really like, and I'm, I'm going to drive the thing till it falls apart on the parkway someday, you know. I, I like it just fine, but she has a, she has a Subaru that has that, 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 the newer feature, that the camera, the rear-view camera, you know, which is actually really cool. It's awfully handy to have that at times, and I'm, sometimes I'm jealous. It has that camera. You can see when you're backing up. That is such a neat feature. You can, it, you have, when you're driving, you have certain blind spots, right? 
couple weeks ago, I was driving. I wanted to change lanes, and I didn't know that there was somebody who had who was driving right in my blind spot, right behind me, not too, not far enough behind that I could see in my rearview mirror, and, I, and too close for me to see through my side mirror. And I started to to turn over, and, and the horn blared, and oh, holy cow, there's somebody there. I didn't can't help it. You can't see what you can't see. You know, it was just in my blind spot. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was there. On the threshold of this new year, and we look at our calendar, and we look down the road, there are, we have blind spots. There are things that are going to come our way. We don't know what they are yet. We don't know that they're there. And uh, that's what we have to, that, that, that's what I want to talk about here this morning. I want to talk about our blind spots. I, and don't think that we don't have blind spots. James tells us, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into that city. Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Isn't that the truth? The truth is that blind spots can be dangerous. What you don't know, what you don't see, can hurt you. The Arameans would have launched a Pearl Harbor attack on Israel if it weren't for the fact that Elisha, God was giving the ability to see to Elisha and warn the king of Israel, look out, they're going to they're gonna march through that mountain pass. And the Israel... Israel's king knew how to defend the nation. Recently, we've faced some big uncertainties too, haven't we? I mean, the world health experts didn't see this pandemic coming two years ago. And it's changed everything, hasn't it? I can hardly see anybody's faces because most people are wearing masks. You know, two years ago, that was just unthinkable. Uh, think about a little couple years before that. Nobody saw the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Uh, you know... We got blindsided by that. Every so often, something really big can come out of left field and threaten our stability and threaten our way of life. That's true for nations. That's true for individuals. Nobody saw them coming. I was talking about uh, Kim's Subaru and the, the rearview camera there. A number of years ago, I knew a pastor, a Presbyterian pastor, who was backing out of his garage and backing down the driveway and did not see his little daughter on her bicycle behind the car and ran over her and she did not survive. Can you imagine the devastation? How many times do you think he had pulled out of the garage and pulled out of the driveway? He probably looked in the rearview mirror, he did everything that you and I would have done, but he couldn't see. There was a blind spot. Our blind spots are very dangerous. Today, I want to talk about our faith in Jesus Christ, the reality of blind spots in the world that we live in, and the road ahead for 2022. I'm going to bring a couple truths for us to consider here this morning. Truth number one, God sees things we don't see. I know you're thinking, Bob, this is not kindergarten. I know that. We all know that, right? It's such an elementary truth. But I'd like for us to, you know, there, there are different ways to, to experience and, and consider truth. Just like there are different ways of eating a meal, right? Sometimes you just think like, oh, I, I'm going to wolf everything down. I'm going to eat my hamburger. I'm going to get my fuel, and then I'm going to get up off the table, and I'm going to go do what I, what I really want to do. Uh, that's one way of eating a meal. Another way is to cut off a slice of your roast beef, put it in your mouth, just kind of savor it, you know? Taste it, let the juices mingle, and chew it, and then when you're good and ready, swallow it and, and take it in. It's a different kind of experience. I'd like this morning for you to consider these truths by savoring rather than gulping them down, okay?
okay? Think about this for a minute. God already knows. God sees things that we don't see. He's never caught off guard. He's never surprised. He knew that. I, uh, I, I brought my camera, or my, my calendar this morning. This is, this is what my 2022 calendar looks like. You can see there are a couple things already written in there, a couple holidays, a couple things that I know are coming, coming down the pike, you know. Uh, I actually have a lot of plans. I don't know how I'm going to do all these things in 2022. But if, if, if history tells us anything, I, I, I know that some of the things I think I'm going to do in 2022, I'm not going to do. Right? Some things, some doors are going to close, plans are going to change. This isn't going to happen on this date, it's going to happen on that date. Uh, some things, some things are, are going to come out of left field that weren't on my radar screen at all. Some of them are wonderful things that God's just going to drop on my lap and I'll say, thank you, Lord, I didn't see that coming. Some things are going to come that are going to knock me off, off my, my tracks, you know. They're just going to be dangerous things that come out of nowhere and I wasn't prepared for them. That's just the way it is. Do you know what God sees when he looks at my calendar for 2022? It's already packed. He knows exactly every day Bob's going to meet this person. Bob's going to have that conversation. Bob's going to try to pull into the other lane, and there's going to be a car on this side, so I'm going to have Bob turn off the, the radio so he's fully alert and paying attention to what he's doing. God already has your calendar already packed. It's already on there. He knows what's coming down the pike for us. God sees things we don't see. So what does that mean to us? The payoff is we should be experiencing a lot of peace of mind. What I don't see, God already knows about that. I may be caught off guard. He's not going to be surprised by it at all. He's had eons to prepare for that. Some of you may recognize the name Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom uh, wrote the classic. I, I recommend that everybody read it. I've read it several times. Uh, she wrote the, the, the book The Hiding Place. So there was a movie made out of it. She and her family were devoted followers of Jesus Christ in the Netherlands during the 1930s and 40s. And when the German occupation came through, uh, they decided they recognized that the Gestapo was going door to door to try to find Jewish families and to arrest them and then ultimately to, to execute them. And the Ten Boom family started taking in Jewish families so they wouldn't be captured by the Nazis. And they hid them in their home. And this worked for quite some time. Eventually, somebody ratted them out, and the Gestapo came and arrested the Ten Booms. And in fact, they were sent to concentration camps, and her father and her sister died there. Miraculously, she was released by some clerical error. And so she was able to tell the story of God's faithfulness in the darkest places of Europe in the 1940s. Uh, she said, from her wealth of experience, she said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I love that. Our experience should be great peace as a result of the fact that we know God knows what's coming down the pike. This is the difference between Elisha and his servant. His servant doesn't understand the things. That I, I don't see God's protection now. I see these soldiers. I see the problem. I don't see the solution. And he's scared witless. Elisha knows to greater depth the nature of God. And he has peace in the midst of a, what seems like a very treacherous circumstance. Truth number two. 
God can show you what you don't see now. He can show you what you need to know, what you need to see. God showed Elisha the hills filled with horses and chariots of fire, we're told. He can give you his eyes to see what he can see that you haven't been able to see before. I have made it a practice for years and years, every so often in my prayer time, just to sit and be quiet and say, Lord, is there something you want me to see? Is there something you want to show me? I'm, I'm, maybe you're prone as I am to rush in with what I, what I think I need. Lord, will you give me this? Lord, will you do this? Lord, will you help me with this? Every so often, I found it really helpful to just sit and say, Lord, is there, is there something you want to show me? Sometimes, like, like in a, for Elisha, for example, he may give you sight. Sometimes, more often, he will probably give you insight, okay? He will show you something that you hadn't thought of before, or uh, many, many of the most significant paths I have gone down in the last 30 or 40 years have been in response to asking God, is there something you want to show me? Is there something that's not even on my radar screen right now that you want me to know about? I've had a couple experiences with that. I, I, uh, and I never understand why people don't want to do that. Why would you not want for God to show you things. Some people are so locked into, I want to see the world a certain way. This is the way it is, and please don't mess with my world, you know. Uh, it's been said, there are none so blind as those who will not see. And that is really true. Some people will their own blindness. If you don't want to be blind, ask God, show me. Is there something, something you want me to see? Open up my eyes. This is what, what Elisha's prayer was. Open up the eyes of my servant so he can see what you've already shown me. I remember in a gathering one time, there were people, uh, there was an opportunity for people to stand up and share some things that were on their hearts, things that they were experiencing. And I remember a young lady, I think she was probably 17, 19, I'm not sure. It's a beautiful young lady on the outside and on the inside. Uh, I knew her fairly well. I knew her father. Uh, her, she, she stood up and she, she shared with the people that were there how it had been a lifelong struggle for her. Whenever she thought of herself, she always thought, I'm not beautiful. And that just, you know, she felt such pain all her life from that. I, I'm, not, I'm not beautiful. And uh, what was, it was hard to hear that from her because everybody could see. Obviously, she was, you know, but she couldn't see that. What was really hard was her father was sitting right in front of me. He had tears coming down his face. That had, he had walked with her through that. And he, he wanted so much for her to see herself the way he saw her and the way God saw her. She couldn't do that. God can give you eyes to see what he sees. We need that so much. One of the results of my asking God from time to time, is there something you want to show me? I really think that's how I got involved in mission. I had, I had no plan to do traveling. I had no plan, no expectation of going to other countries. I had no expectation of getting involved, even particularly in local mission. But I, he started, I, I, I didn't seek it. I was asked to go here. I was asked to do this. I ended up going to Mexico on a mission trip. I ended up going to Argentina the next year. I ended up going to Brazil the next two years. I ended up going to the Middle East. I, I ended up traveling different places. I didn't seek that. And it, and looking back on it, I, was like, I, I now, I, every time I, I would come, I was like, oh, Lord, I never knew 
I had such wonderful family. I saw beautiful believers living out their faith in Jesus Christ in this country and in that part of the world and speaking this language. I realized I got family everywhere. And they were dear to my heart. I remember staying with a, a Mexican family, a very poor Mexican family in a part of Mexico City. Uh, Pedro was, uh, he worked in the lead mines and got lead poisoning. They don't have OSHA in Mexico. And he was dying of, of lead poisoning. And, and, uh, and he prayed and, and cried out to God. And, and he was healed of lead poisoning. He just loved the Lord so much, loved his family, had a wonderful family. They were very poor. Uh, he, he built their house from scraps in the, in the Mexico City garbage dump. He would, he, oh, I found a good piece. We can use this as the, as the doorway and this sort of thing. And this, that's where I stayed the week we were in Mexico City. And uh, it was strange. You know, we, my Spanish was very rusty by this point. They never could speak English. But we had, we, we had nothing in common. We come from different languages, you know, different, different parts of the world, different cultures. We had nothing in common but Jesus. But I'll tell you what, somehow, I don't understand it, we loved each other so much. When, when, we were, when our mission team was coming back, we were flying, flying home. We, they don't have gates at, at the airports like we do. They, this family took me to, to the airport, and uh, we, we, out, we walked out onto the tarmac, and I walked up. They brought one of these gates on wheels, and I walked up into the plane, and I looked back to see them. They were at the bottom of the stairway crying. I was crying. My heart was breaking. I, I couldn't speak to them because of the language barrier. We had, we had nothing in common. How was it that my heart was breaking that in seven days I loved them so much it broke my heart to think like I might never see them again this side of heaven. What happened there? Somehow God showed me what I never expected to see. I have family. He has people. I have family all over the world like this that are close to the heart of God. I think I would never have had these experiences if I had not asked God, is there something you want me to know? Is there something about the way you see the world that I don't see yet that you want to show me? I think that's where that came from. Truth number three, sometimes we have to trust first and then we'll see later. Trust first, see later. I, I'm kind of wired, but I like to see the big picture. Many times I have asked God, would you just like drop the big blueprint down on the table so I can see everything, all the moving parts. I can see this goes to that, this is connected with this. You go step one, step two, step three. He has never done that for me. It's never like that. It's always like he'll show me just enough, one step at a time. Now, Bob, I want you to take this step now. And then I'll show you what the next step is. That's what my experience is like. I'd love the, the big blueprint. That would be great, descending from the skies. But that never happens for me. I think that God does that on purpose. Most of the time, he just wants to give you what you need for right now. He sees the big picture. You don't have to. I know that uncertainty may, may make you feel anxious, but you, you can trust an unknown future to a known God, right? It's okay. The psalmist said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, you should be seeing a, a picture. Of this. I, I bought this lamp when I was in Israel. This is what they look like. It's a little clay pot. Uh, it can fit in your hand. You, you put olive oil into the, into the basin. There's a little wick there. That's it. Now, if you're, if you're, that, that goes on a lamp stand in your home. If you're actually walking on a path somewhere, they'll put a... a uh, like a handle on the, on the other end of it, and you can carry it. How much light do you think that, that one wick produces? It's, not, it's a fraction, a minuscule part of the, the power of your flashlight. It gives you just enough light for one step. 
I think that's what the psalmist is saying. You can't see the whole path. You don't have to. All you need to see is one step. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sometimes God will bring you into situations that you weren't prepared for, that, that you didn't know was going to happen, but he can guide you one step at a time, and he expects a response of obedience. I've shared this story with a couple friends here. Um, forgive me if you've heard this story before, but I, but I think it's, it's kind of apropos to what we're talking about right here. I got a call from my, my brother this fall. He lives in Phoenix. He was flying into to Pittsburgh, and he said, hey, do you want to go to the Broncos game? And I said, you know, what red-blooded Pittsburgh man says no to that? You know, so I said, absolutely. He says, I got a couple tickets. I'll see you outside the stadium. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'll see you for the Broncos game. This is October 10th. I said, fine. And I thought, how am I going to get there? Do I want to drive to the north side and be one of 60,000 people trying to find a parking space? I don't think so. I'm going to get on the T, okay? I'll, I'll take the T in. It goes to the north side within a block or two of where the stadium is. So I get on the T, and we, we're driving in, into town on the subway. And we get to, you know, the place where you go through the South Hills Tunnel, and it, it, it turns a sharp right at Station Square. And you behind me, about four rows behind me, and I turned around, and there were about six or eight guys that were involved in a melee. And I, one guy was standing up on top of a seat, and he was punching another guy in the face. There was blood everywhere. I was stunned. I just sat there. What? My instinct, probably your instinct would have been the same thing. Lord, what is going on, and what, do you want, what am I supposed to do? I don't know how to describe this to you. I don't understand it myself. All I know is I kept kind of hearing Psalm 34, seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. I'm, uh, what, what, what does that mean? How, Lord, are you trying to, I, I got the impression like God was trying to, and the Holy Spirit was trying to say something to me, that, but I, you know, what does that mean? I guess I'm supposed to get involved in this thing. I can't tell you how much I didn't want to get involved in this. Um, but I, I stood up really just in obedience. I didn't think there's nothing heroic in it. It's just like, okay. But there was no step one, step two, then I want you to do this. No, it was just like, get involved. Uh, somehow I felt like I was, I understood the heart of God was to bring peace into this situation. So I stood between two guys at this point, the, the main, in the main ring, the, uh, on, in the center aisle of the train, were two guys that were, that were standing and, and punching each other. And I, and I walked right in between them, and I put my hands on both their chests, and I said, peace, peace, enough, guys. You don't have to do this. Stand down. Walk away. It's over. It's over. And I'm looking out both sides of my, you know, my eyes, wondering which one of them is going to hit me first. I fully expected I was going to lose two or three teeth here, okay? Much to my amazement, they both put their hands down, and they walked away. And that was it. It was all over. A few minutes later, the police arrived. The doors opened. They took one guy off in handcuffs. And, and then the, the train started going again. And we took to the, got to the north side. I saw my brother. He had the tickets. And I said, hey, let's go see the Steeler game. And I have a story to tell you. You're not going to believe this. I could barely believe it myself. There was no game plan. I didn't, unlike Elisha, I didn't see horses and chariots of fire. I didn't see anything. I just, all I knew was... I thought God was trying to give me a nudge. Did you ever get a nudge from God? Uh, seek peace and pursue it. Somehow that was the heart of God, and somehow he wanted me to play a role in that. I didn't know what. He didn't tell me, 
first do this, then do that. I don't know. I'm just kind of making my way forward. He gave me light unto my feet. That's it. A light unto my path. That's all there was. Uh, there was no game plan. I just decided at some point, friends, we have to decide, I'm going to trust God with the parts that I do know, and I'll have to trust him to take care of the parts that I don't know. And I, I can testify, and many here can testify, God has been extraordinarily trustworthy in handling the things that I, that I don't see, that I don't know. And we can trust him with those parts of our lives. We of all people should feel peace as we look forward to 2022. Not because we know everything, not because we see everything that's coming down the pike, but because we know that God sees everything that's coming down to the pike. That's my wish and my prayer for us in 2022. Let me go to him in prayer. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.